What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Eastern Current. Tonight we have a new guest, which is good. We've been uh, we've been doing a lot of in-house uh, conversations here on the podcast lately, but going to try to get back out there, start bringing on some other captains, bringing on some other opinions, different fishing styles, and uh, hopefully that'll bring you know a new, fresh little taste to the podcast. Uh, I've kind of shared everything I know about redfish lately, so to talk with someone else about redfish and uh, hopefully it'll it'll spike some new conversation, uh, some new tactics, and some new. Uh, some good ideas for, for getting out there this summer and hopefully catching some more redfish. But this conversation might kind of go all over the place. We were talking pre-show and just got into boats and props and tournaments and all kinds of stuff. So we'll see where it goes. Uh, redfish is going to kind of be the basis. Before we get into it, before I introduce our guest, um, just want to thank iStrike, uh, sponsor this podcast. Make great jigs for, for all kinds of applications inshore. Uh, definitely go check them out. It's iStrike Fishing. Um, AFCO and Marshware, two great clothing companies. Uh, that you should definitely check out. They've got a uh, great gear uh, as well as just kind of like wear around town clothing. So go check out AFCO and Marshware. And then also go check out our, uh, I'm starting to forget everything I've got to say up here. Also go check out our Facebook group. It's a really good place to connect with, with lots of other listeners and uh, maybe make even make a fishing buddy, get out there on the water and do a little fishing together. Um, and if you're listening to the podcast or you only listen to the podcast definitely go check out our youtube channel we've got a bunch of other good content out there as well uh, but that is it for the pre-show ramble i'm gonna go ahead and bring on our guest captain didn't happen there there we go captain tim what's going on man what's going on buddy oh nothing much I, we were just chatting before the show and i was like man we need to just get into the podcast we're spilling so much good information already sure. uh, but yeah thanks for thanks for coming on no nah, man thanks for having us anytime we get a chance to talk fishing if we're not fishing i know the weather was kind of crappy down here for us this morning and just about everywhere up and down the coast so yeah, we're not was... out on the water we might as well be talking about what we'd be doing if we were on the water exactly exactly it was uh it was gnarly this morning me and tim have been talking for a couple of days maybe a week about just hey let's keep in touch try to figure out a time to do this podcast and uh last night with that forecast i texted you and i was like hey i'm canceling tomorrow if you're open let's uh let's do this podcast so Glad it worked out. Uh, tell people a little bit about your business or a lot about your business, where you are located, yeah. what kind of fishing you do, all that. Yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, we're Southern Brunswick County. Yeah, we're based out of Sunset Beach, North Carolina. Um, we're kind of smack in the middle between the state line and Ocean Isle. You know, a lot of people are familiar with Ocean Isle. Um, we're just a little bit further south. We fish everywhere, basically from Southport on down into Little River, South Carolina. Um, you know, we're situated right there, so we have access to you know, basically all of the good things that North and South Carolina has to offer. Um, you know, kind of tricky with the regulations back and forth sometimes, you know, where some spots, you know, we're literally straddling the line. But, um, you know, all in shore, near shore, like, you know, a lot of fun. So we try to keep it fun. You know, we take it as, as serious as people want to, but, you know, it's all about just getting out and having a good time. Um, yeah. You know, we've been – go ahead. Oh, no, no, you go ahead. I was interrupting you. Sorry. <laughs> oh, no, you're good, man. I was just saying, you know, I've – Full-time now for going on five years, you know, part-time for a little bit before that. You know, I've been super blessed with a good group of people that have allowed me to do what we love to do and, you know, keep doing it as long as we can. Heck, yeah, man. That's awesome. It is really the best job ever. I'm so torn because, like, I don't want anyone else to be guiding, but I also want everyone to be guiding because that's, like, I think it's the best job ever. I'm like, if people want to get into it, I'm like, man, you should do it. But but now at this point in North Carolina, I'm like, maybe I need to bite my tongue a little bit because there's a lot of people starting to guide. Um, but it really is such a blessing. It's just a cool way to be on the water. And, and my favorite part about guiding in general is just the relationships. You know, fishing's really fun, but at the end of the day, it's like we've caught a lot of 25-inch redfish, you know, and so it's like 
it's about the relationships in the water. And so I think it's, it takes a certain person for sure. Um, but it's a fun job. It's a really cool job. So tell me a little about this before yeah. we get into it. Being where you are, is there a flounder season? We, well, <laughs> you know, our flounder season will be the same as y'all's flounder season up there. I can't tell you how many fish over the last month that we've caught in South Carolina, you know, 20 plus inch flounder, you know, beautiful fish where we're all amped up because, you know, I mean, that's just a fun fish to catch, you know, and then you have to break people's heart and let them know that even though it's legal where we're sitting right now, we cannot bring it home with us. So, and you know, we're not, we're not out to kill everything we catch. You right. know, we, we release as much as we can, you know, but there are certain fish, flounder included, where the coolest part about catching that fish a lot of times is knowing that you're going to go home and, and be able to enjoy, you know, dinner with the family. But for sure, no, it's, it, it does yeah, you know, we we could talk for hours about flounder regulations and a lot of you know, and we have you know we we've gone to a lot of the meetings in Wilmington and stuff and and yes, yeah, I feel like it falls on deaf ears, but yeah, we're we're looking forward to August. We're hoping that you know things you know, or we're at least able to do what we were able to do last year and hope that you know all of our voices are heard. You know, I I know that I wrote into to the commission when you know they had the open forum kind of stuff and mm-hmm. a lot of people did. And not only, you know, for us, not only does it does it hurt, you know, the overall experience sometimes of, of you know, somebody, sometimes people that would make their whole day, you know, to keep that one. Right, water. right. It's also hurting. I mean, you know, I know a lot of people that if they can't fish for flounder, they're just not going to fish. So now tackle shops are suffering, you know, you know, businesses across you know, the entire recreational fishing sector of, of North Carolina, you know, are going to feel the you know the pain in the in the pocketbook i think because there's just people that are just going to flat out say well you know that's flounder fishing my thing and if we can't do that i'm not going to fish which is unfortunate but you know I, hopefully you know i'm i'm the eternal optimist that if enough people you know continue to to kind of share their opinion on it and you know we're going to start taking steps in the right direction i hope yeah um, but yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's going to be tough for a little while yeah, I think that's well put, man. It's uh, one thing that last year did for me though was show me how fun it is to just target flounder without the thought of keeping them because I never really did that beforehand because it wasn't like the most thrilling fish to me. But that bite is yeah. is, is awesome as a speckled trout, especially an artificial. I mean, it's a serious yeah. thump and and it's a fun fish to target. And it, it's to me, it's like the most as far as the summertime goes, like predictable fish. Like you can go to an area and like target specific things and like really know you've got a good chance at catching a flounder so absolutely absolutely and what it what it did for me was show me that i only knew half of what i thought i knew about where flounder are because <laughs> we would be we would be you know slow rolling a bait across an oyster bed you know i'm just like okay it is fish we're you know kind of, kind of pull out of this creek sit near this oyster bed and we would get thumped and you know and it would be a real nice flounder i'm like man that fish ate in no water right on top of some which traditionally, you know, we're looking, you know, in our area down here, flounder fishing, we're looking for deep, sandy bottom, you know, good current near a bunch of grass. I mean, that's, you know, and that was just how we targeted flounder, you know, or even, you know, if we're bait fishing and I'm drifting, I can't tell you how many fish we've caught shallow drifting live shrimp under a cork. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I do that. And then flounder season comes and we don't ever think to do it. We go right back to doing what we normally do. To the deep holes. Yeah. (laughs) It, It definitely has shown that, you know, there, we still have a lot to learn, but that's, for me, you know, just fishing in general, that's the fun part is when you get out and you get humbled every once in a while and you realize like, man, you know, I could I could definitely work a little bit harder, but yeah, flounder fishing, we don't 
I try not to target them as much if I know we can't keep them, only because I don't have a clue what the mortality rate is on a released fish. You know, for us, you know, obviously as a bycatch, if we're bait fishing for reds, mostly, you know, we're gonna we're gonna catch a flounder, and you right. know, a lot of times when we're pr- primarily red fishing, you know, if we're using circle hooks or, or what have you, we don't gut hook too many fish, but on jigs and and sometimes else, you know, maybe fishing with some people that are a little less experienced they're a little late on the on the reaction and and you do you know you do sometimes end up gut, gut hooking a fish or, or hooking a lot of small fish and you know so i try not to target them too much you know if i if i can help it just to try to keep whatever fish are there alive and well you know until we yeah. can target you know but it's it's tricky because you know we've we i know well in our area right now we are loaded with water you know, yeah all good size fish so I'm hoping that that means that we'll have a decent season, you know, and, and that we don't, uh, you know, we don't strike out completely in our little 45 day window that we have there, but uh, <laughs> I bet you'll catch a couple. You're going to catch a couple. I bet probably yeah, not as many as yeah. me, but you'll catch a few. You'll catch a few. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I suck <laughs> I, at flounder fishing. You'll definitely catch more than me. Um, that, that was what we grew up doing, man. I mean, you know, for us, you know, it was John boat, shallow water, you know, bump trolling mud minnows on a Carolina rig. You yeah. Know, that's or, awesome. Or light bucktails. And that was, for us, I mean, you know, we're still, you know, we're, you know, more rural area of, of the state where, you know, you know, gigging is still huge. You know, everybody, flounder is just, you know, one of those things that everybody, people that don't even like to fish for anything else, you know, that's their thing. So we, uh, we grew up doing it and we've definitely changed how we do it a little bit. I love to get out there on the reef and catch them. Um, you know, got a little bit bigger boat this year. So we're a little bit more open to, you know, being out on the big water you know, on a day that would be a little less than desirable. Yeah, but definitely. It's, uh, there's a million different ways to catch them, and they're all fun. So. Well, let's talk a little bit about the platform that you're running for your area as far as your, your boat goes, and, and then kind of transition that into your red fishing, what that looks like. Because a lot of times, and the guys that I talk with a lot on here, my buddies that, that are in my little fishing network here, we're all at least have a skiff. We might be running different boats as well, but a lot of our like redfish mindset and how we're targeting redfish is based off of a skiff. So I have a lot of listeners. I have a lot of clients. I got a lot of people that, that fish bigger boats that want to be able to go catch redfish on artificials um, as well as on bait. And, and I think talking to someone with a 24-foot boat, you know, it, and how they go and are successful in redfish is, is key. Because there's this, like, mindset of, like, oh, you've got to have, at least now, you got to have a flat skiff to go catch redfish in shallow water. So no, t- I- tell them a little bit about your boat and the kind of your process of how you come to that boat. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I run a 24-foot Pathfinder, um, you know, coming out of a 22-foot bay boat. So, I mean, it wasn't a, a major leap, but, you know, I had a, a Maverick as well. Um, in our area, the one thing that, you know, it's funny, even just, a, you know, an hour up the coast from where you guys are, I mean, you guys have really pretty water. You know, everybody really likes the shallow water sight fish and stuff. If you venture your way down into my neck of the woods, nobody does that. Maybe I, I can, five people off, off the top of my head I can name that, even remotely target shallow water redfish you know red fishing down here for us has always been you know people dock fish people fish around the jetties and, and that kind of stuff but it really you know i even i know a lot of my buddies for sure you know kind of opened their eyes when i was like hey a redfish is a redfish if they're doing this in florida georgia north carolina south carolina you know if we have the marsh and the you know the habitat for them to feed a certain way they're, they're there. gonna do it <laughs> they're gonna do it so it's just a matter of getting to them um, you know, we maybe a month, maybe February is the only month that our water is even remotely clear enough to sight fish. And, and because we don't do it, you know, it's, 
it, it is more difficult. I mean, I'm sure you can attest. I mean, you know, you step on a hatch the wrong way or drop a, a you know, beer can on the deck or, you know, or something, you right. know, it's, you have to be that much more careful. So in, in our area with the water being quite a bit dirtier, it actually allows us to be a little, a little more complacent, you know, where we're, you know, we're not, we're coming up on a fish a little bit quicker, you know, and they, they don't spook quite as easily, but you know, I, there aren't too many other than the super shallow, you know, winter low tides that we're fishing, you know, super cold water. There aren't too many places that we can't get to in a bay boat. You know, if you're at two foot, I mean, you know, on a trolling motor, that's, I don't, I'm not handicapped at all in a bigger boat doing the red fishing that we like to do down here. Now, you know, I would like to, I just recently sold my skiff, you know, I plan to get another one just because it's a, an extra arrow, you know, in your quiver there to be For able sure. to do something different. But for me, you know, learning how to fish redfish in our area, everything else, you know, it, it complements each other. So if we were able to catch them, you know, in seven foot of water in a bigger section of the creek, and we know that they're only there during the last hour or the fall and tide, well, where are they the rest of the time? You know, so being able to, you know, push up shallower and figure out things. I mean, you know, when you trying to figure something out, you know, then you, you become, you're like, okay, well, this is, this works. This will make my day. Right, right. This. But when conditions are different, you know, let's, let's push a little further. Let's push a little shallower or a little deeper, you know, and having a boat to be able to kind of do everything is, and to do it comfortably is important for me because there's no such thing as a perfect boat. You know, the only perfect boat mm, is either having two truth. or three of them or a buddy with two or three of them that you don't have to, <laughs> to, to worry about maintaining it. But, um, you know, it works good for our area. You know, I'd say most of the time that we're red fishing, you know, spring through fall, we're anywhere from three to 12 foot of water. Yeah. So, you know, it, we don't have, we don't have the big flats and the, and the vast, you know, expanses of shallow water. Most of the shallow water fishing that we do down here is you have to go extremely long through a very shallow section. And all of a sudden there'll be a six foot hole in the back of this creek somewhere where it's, you know, where it's a pool yeah. and in the winter time for us. And sometimes, you know, they'll pull up onto the shallower sections that we get the sight fish for them. But for us, it's, it's a little bit more work, you know, on the scouting side of things. We're like, okay, you know, we've all looked at Google maps. We've all looked at different things. We're like, okay, wh when can I get here? You know, and it's all tide dependent. You know, a lot of us wait until we have enough water to comfortably get somewhere we go back and we fish a spot and we don't catch anything. And we're like, oh, okay, well, there's just nothing here. Well, <laughs> chances are by the time that you can get back there easily on your motor, you know, and not have to worry about kind of, you know, trudging through the mud a little bit, you know, that's when those fish are actually going to be there. So it's the timing of things has, has really been something that we've worked on a lot over the last couple of years. And, you know, it throws my clients off completely. You know, we'll be, we'll say we're, you know, we might be catching a bunch of trout and, and having fun doing it, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, I'll be like, reel them up guys. We have, 30 minutes left to make it to this spot, you know, and then we're not going to catch anything for 25, 30 minutes. But then after that, it's going to be on and, and people look at you like you got three heads, but right. you know, hopefully fingers crossed when it works, you know, it's even, it's that much more, you know, of, a, of an experience for them. And, you know, it's for us down here, you know, we, we, I wish that we could do more shallow water stuff and, you know, and, and the, I've, we've seen everybody see that, you know, I'll, I'll have guys come up to me that live up the river in Shalot or, you know, or down my way towards sunset and they'll be, you know, they're like, man, I can hear the redfish back there blowing up shrimp and stuff in the grass on, on the flood tides. I wish I could catch them. And I was like, well, you know, you, you can, you know, but it's just <laughs> down here for us. It's, it's live bait country, man. You know, yeah. we, we throw, I love throwing artificial baits and, you know, from a, from a guide perspective, you know, 
you got to make you got to do what's going to make the day for your clients and, right. and that leaves us to fish in a lot of bait but i will say that the amount of live bait fishing that we do has helped our artificial efforts you know we've learned okay what why does this work and then how can we emulate it you know with with plastics so, right right one hand washes the other for sure for sure i i think that's a so well put man it's people especially nowadays with social media and youtube and all this stuff like people feel like it becomes so much about like what you have like you've got to have these things to go catch these fish but really you just need to get out on the freaking water and go catch the fish like you don't have to have the right boat or the right tackle you know it's just a matter of putting yourself in that situation um, yeah. and being in that place so. I tell people all the time, the people that catch the most fish are the people that fish the most, you know, and it's <laughs> not even just a, a numbers game. You know, it's, if you spend enough time doing something that doesn't work, you're eventually going to figure out, you're either just going to quit doing it or you're going to figure out what works, you know? So I, that's a lot of days I'll have people, you know, they'll say, well, how in the world did you find this spot? I was like, cause I fished three days, you know, by myself, not catching a single thing before I found this, you know? Right, so it, right. it takes, it takes the seat time to, to figure it out. And you know, us, being able to be on the water every day, we definitely shorten the learning curve for ourselves a little bit because you look at you know, some of the seminars and stuff that I do, I'll have guys that tell me, you know, they're, they're like, man, I fish every Saturday that I can and I'm just, I'm struggling. I'm not, you know, certain days I'm doing good, certain days I'm not. I said, well, don't get down on yourself. I said, because there's only 52 Saturdays in a year and weather, family and everything else, you know, the most avid weekend guy might fish 30 days, 30, 35, 40 days a year and right. we're fishing 25, 30 days a month. Right. So, it's, you know, it, it definitely takes a little while. When you while. think about those numbers, it makes sense, you know. Yeah. And, and yeah. also, we have a lot of little failures as guides, like, throughout each day, you know, like, going to check a new spots, you know. And that's something I try to do is, like, every time I'm on the water, look at – it might be a brand-new little zone I've, I've never looked at, or it might be something I haven't checked in a while. But I, I can I can take those little hits each day, and they don't mean as much as on a Saturday when it's your one Saturday – you know, out of the month or, or two Saturdays out of the month and you go burn an hour or 30 minutes in a spot that might not be productive. So um, and I, I find two people, a lot of times people fishing on the weekends, you know, and no fault of their own, you know, it's just a lot of times it looks like it's like a paper route. You know, I see the same guys oh, yeah. out every weekend, you know, you recognize boats and you recognize people and, you know, they fish spot A, B, C, D and E in the same order. And then they're back at the dock. You know, they do that two weekends in a row and don't do anything. They stop at the tackle shop by the new, you know, wiggling pink bait that everybody talks about. They go out the third time and they end up crushing them. And so the first thing that people automatically assume is, oh my God, pink bait. I got the bait now, you know, and they go out the fourth weekend and they struggle again. But, you know, no time in that, in that one weekend where they were, you know, actually catching fish like they wanted to, did they stop and think, okay, what else is different about, right. you know, did I just happen to fish these three spots at the right time? Yeah, that's for me, that's everything, you know, I, I tell my clients, I was like, I know most of the time I know the first three or four places that we're going to fish before we ever even leave the dock without even thinking about it. You know, just yeah. this is what, you know, and that's kind of how you how you build your day. But, you know, it's like you were talking about little failures. You know, a lot of times we check on something and, and it might not work. And we don't give it too much time and, and it, it might even go over, you know, our clients' heads, you know, like that, you know, we're like, okay, that we were actually kind of actively working on our craft and strategy. Right, you know, right. They help us as much as, as we help them a lot. For of sure, for sure. Pay, paying for us to learn a little bit. Um, yeah. It's crazy. And the more I guide, the more time I spend in the water, the more I learn how much timing is important and, and how much like minutes and, and, and whatnot are important as far as based on the tide. Um, yeah. And, and 
with redfish for sure. Like people, there's this myth of like all these people are like, oh, what's the best tide to catch redfish? You know, and there's not like a best tide to catch redfish. They're aggressive fish. If there's something in front of them that they can eat, they're going to eat it no matter what the tide is typically. Um, and, and so what I've learned, you know, you, you start to learn like, especially pulling my skiff in areas. Um, and a lot of the, the coastal river fisheries that I fish, whether it be from like Georgia all the way up, and, and obviously the, the majority of them are New River and the Cape Fear River, but but I fished through South Carolina, a lot of the coastal rivers, and these areas where these fish are much more transient than like, let's say, Topsail Beach and Wrightsville Beach, where they're kind of hanging out in a small zone like all the time. Um, if I, I can, you know, five minutes on an incoming tide can, can make the difference of like, am I going to see... 10 fish when I get on this bank or am I going to see like pods of fish belly crawling down this bank? It really can be that specific. And that's something you really can't ever piece together until you've really spent a lot of time on the water. And that's nothing like, Oh, look at me. But it's just like the fact of being a guide and and being able to put that time in there. But, but, but that little bit of timing is so important and it's important in deeper water on a bay boat and and whatnot as well. Like you're talking about fishing a hole the last 45 minutes of a fall or something like that. Yeah, and for us, I mean, you know, for me, a big thing was, like, you know, like, people ask you, well, when did you catch it? You know, and you'll say, oh, I caught it an hour into the rise. But that hour into the rise, that amount of water is not going to be the same tomorrow or the next day or the next day. You know, right. so you're paying to your tide charts and saying, okay, I have 1.6 foot of tide right now. And that's, you know, or for me, talking about the shallow water stuff, you know, I'll sit somewhere at the entrance of a creek and wait until I have enough water to get in on my trolling motor one day by myself. And then I'll mark it and be like, okay, in this spot, I need 2.1 foot of water to even get back here. So yeah. then if I'm riding around and I look at my tide chart and it says I'm at one, one nine, I was like, all right, well, let's go try this other spot real quick. And then by the time we do that, you know, if we need to, we'll have enough water and you can kind of move around. But you know, there's days where I know that, you know, a low tide, there's particular, you know, there's an oyster bed down here that we like to fish. And I know that I need, less than a foot of water you know like less than a foot of tide right and there's some days where the tide doesn't even get that low you know where right. you know, say we had a real weak tide i'm not even gonna i'm not even gonna go fish that spot yeah you know not because i don't think there might be fish there but if i know that this is when they eat you know it instead of wasting some time you know we're gonna figure out where to go else and that's you know clients will call and, and ask you know what tide you know what day should i fish that the tide is going to be good you know, I'm like, well, you know, most of the time we can fish on, you know, that's, that's our job. You know, we're, if we only said we're only going to fish the best tides, you know, we're, we're going to cut our days in half. <laughs> right, okay. So, you know, kind of, you know, social media has done a good job of glamorizing, you know, what we do and, tr- and trust me, you know, like we said, we we're saying earlier, we're fortunate to do it, but I think what separates, you know, people that are, you know, very successful and you know and not sometimes i'm not not saying that myself is either either way but you know it's being willing to do the things that on or off the water before or after a trip that are going to make that four hours of someone's vacation or you know that's that much more memorable right i think that's huge man and, and for people out there listening like i in my opinion being successful isn't always and i'm sure you'll agree with this but isn't always catching fish you know it's it's i think success is also equally measured by like knowing why that why there was failure like knowing why the fish weren't there okay that tide was too high i wasn't seeing them maybe they were there but i i, I should have been throwing a top water because i couldn't visually see the fish or learning yeah. why and why not is just as important so um, absolutely 
as an encouragement to people that are like, you know, crap, I'm not successful, but you're learning success. In my opinion is learning something every day on the water. So, yeah. And that's, and I, I, I preach that, you know, whether you go out and you limit out and, you know, have a fish every around every corner or you go out and you see two fish all day, you've learned something. You might, it might not even stick with you when you get off the water that day, but when you get out the next day, you know, you might remember something little detail that you should or shouldn't do. And, and that over the course of a period of time is, you know, what makes you, you know, an angler in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. But, yeah. And when I'm, when I'm struggling guiding, I have, I'm really good at being like, you know, it's just, we're learning just as much today too. And like, yeah. like all these sometimes little excuses of why we're not catching hard, fish. Sometimes that's a harder sell for some people. You, <laughs> it know, is. you do have to remember, I get down on myself sometimes too. You know, we might've had a couple days where, you know, we've just absolutely hammered them and it's, it's been you know easy for lack of a better word. You I mean, certain times of year, it just seems like you can't miss. And then some days you get out and you, you might have only caught a handful of fish, you know, and I sometimes, I'm, you know, I get frustrated with myself and you try not to let that show. But at the same time, you know, your your definition of a, of a great day and someone else's definition of a great day, you know, a lot of times are two totally different things. For sure. You know, so for, for me, guiding has taught me to slow down a little bit and appreciate, you know, it, there's some days in the summertime when the water gets hot, you know, we're, we might catch, you know, a handful of fish on a, on a, on a couple hour trip. You know, we might catch four, five, six nice fish. And, you know, of course we would love to catch 40, 50, 60 nice fish, but, you know, learning to appreciate, you know, what you're given and, and you made the most of the opportunities that you had and, you know, you had good, good, good times on the boat. I mean, that to me is as successful of a trip as, you know, one where we absolutely just, you know, loaded, load up the boat every, everywhere we go. But <laughs> those are fun too. But when you catch them that good every day, and you might be one of those people, they lose their luster for me a little bit. Like they got to kick me in the butt a couple of days, so where I'm like, oh yeah, all right, I figured something out again. So. Yeah, and and then for us, I mean, you know, that's you know our early spring, you know, like March, mid 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 late March, you know, and then November, you know, our trout fishing down here in our area, it's it's just silly. I mean, you know, we can catch as many fish as, as you want, you know, on bait, on plastics, on plugs, on you know, on really whatever you want. And we look forward to that all year, right. but at the same time, you get to about the middle of that, and you're like, "Man, I would love to go." And you know, I, would, I don't care if we only catch three redfish, but I would like to go and like switch it up, you know. So it's <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, being able to being able to kind of fish, you know, all year gets you keeps you excited about the next bite. You know, you might be like for us, it's you know, talking about flounder season. You know, like, oh man, you know, we're catching reds and and black drum and sheep's head and and some speckled trout that are still hanging around right now. But you know, and that's we're having fun doing it, but can't wait until flounder you know season comes in and then all of a sudden it's i can't wait until the big bulls are off the beach and then you know october november you know we can run a mile off the beach and go catch a 40 pound king mackerel or you know there's there's just always something on the horizon and you know that that helps keep it keep it fresh for you for sure well let's talk about this a little bit let's talk about tactics for you as a guide like where do you feel uh what's your most successful tactic for targeting redfish down there success like you know on a successful basis with yeah i'm having a terrible time wording this question but no, man, I, I i get what you're saying you know for, for us it, it, different times of year we're doing completely different things yeah. in completely different areas you know for you know talk, just talking about like right now like what we're getting ready to get into summertime forces us to slow down a little bit you know we mm-hmm. almost fish summertime like we do wintertime you know where the fish are going to move a little bit slower. You know, they they might not be as eager to feed in certain zones, so it's kind of running and gunning a little bit. You know, but when you get there, take your time and fish it. You know, not saying fish one spot for three hours, but you know, actually make sure that when you're there, you you've worked 
everything that you can do. You know, we see in our area a lot of times that in the summer months we're seeing fish pull out, you know, where we might through the late spring, you know, early summer, see some fish that are, are holed up in a creek, you know, maybe it's a creek mouth on a fallen tide, or maybe it's a deeper bank on the rising tide. You know, we're starting to see that in the summertime that the fish are pulling out in better numbers and they're schooling back up almost like they do in the wintertime on big shell banks. Um, you know, we fish basically right off the ICW a lot in the summertime, which, you know, on a, on a day sometimes gets a little, a little hectic with boat traffic and jet skis and, and everything else. But there's a lot of, a lot of spots that we fish that if you were to look at it from, you know, someone just riding by, it would just look like we're just pulled off the side of the waterway and just fishing a, a random patch of shells. But, you know, there's a lot of things that go into it. There might be a little drain, you know, a little feeder creek that runs yeah. out that, you know, when the tide is running one way, you know, a lot of, a lot of those spots that we fish, there'll be, you know, a big, you know, like a scallop in the bank where it's straight shells for five, 600 yards. And all of a sudden there's a big cutout and where water can flow in and out of that, you know, the fish are going to stage on either side, depending on the current, you know, if we get there early in the morning, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't catch a lot on top water. Um, you know, and I don't spend a ton of time doing it uh, from a guide perspective. You know, now if I'm out on the water, we might get up a little extra earlier, you know, and, or if I have a client that that's something that he's really interested in doing, we're going to do what we need to do to have the best chance of success at that. But yeah, for, for us right now, you know, we're catching a lot of peanut pogies, you know, the mullet haven't shown up really too good for us yet. I mean, we're starting to see little, you know, you're seeing fry everywhere, but you know, and we're seeing some mullet kind of here and there, but you know, we're fishing with a lot of mud minnows. We're fishing with a lot of, you know, three, four inch pogies, um, you know, and either putting them right on it, you know, a lot of times if the water's shallow enough, we'll run a quarter ounce jig and we'll put a mud minnow on that jig and we'll cast all the way up, up onto the shells and just slowly bump it back to us and, and, you know, kind of work a zone real slow or, you know, maybe we'll clip the tail off a pogey and, and put them on a Carolina rig and, and toss them up and give it 10 minutes and, and really just kind of dead stick that spot to see if the fish are going to feed. Um, you know, we love, one of my favorite things to do, it's, you know, and a lot of people, I got buddies that, that pick on me all the time because they were just bobber fishing all the time, but, you know, we use a lot of slip corks down here. You know, live shrimp is, is king for a lot of the time of year for us down here. I mean, there's fights at the tackle shop, you know, for people that are in there waiting on the guy to get there and drop off the shrimp, but um yeah in the summertime we stopped doing that as much because the pinfish and croaker and everything are just absolutely they'll eat you up but, right you know if, if we find a deeper zone say you know on an incoming tide there's you know we have a big deep section of bank where i know it goes from five to nine foot and, and that nine foot hole stays you know maybe that deep for you know 50 yards you know we'll set up up from it a little bit and drift some baits we'll put a bait on the bottom and then we'll drift some baits you know down at different depths because a lot of times we'll find that the redfish, you know, on maybe on an incoming tide are going to sit a little deeper on the outgoing tide or pulling out and sitting a little shallower. So we we kind of just switch it up as the day goes, depending on what tide we're given. And, um, you know, it's a lot of fun when you can get them up on the shelves like that because they're normally pretty aggressive. Um, you know, it's like what you were saying earlier. You know, if they're there, they're going to eat. So that's, right. you know, a lot of we'll pull up in a spot sometimes. And if it's deep enough, I won't even cut the outboard off. You know, I'm just going to say we're going to give this five minutes maybe you know and if if we we know that we're there at the right tide we know that they the fish should be there you yeah know, we, we set them on it and if they don't eat we're gonna leave because you know chances are i was always taught you know i mean if they're not biting over here they're biting somewhere else you know so it's you know as far as you know covering some ground uh, we were talking about earlier about about burning fuel but you know that's <laughs> okay. uh that's one of the topics <laughs> things that we have to do a lot of times you know to to find it you know that's I can't tell you how many times we've 
you know, we've just ran from spot to spot to spot to spot to spot, and, and we might not have caught anything in four or five stops, and then all of a sudden we get to we get to our sixth stop and we don't leave for an hour. You yeah. Know, where now we found them now, you know, and chances are if we had sat a little longer than any of the other ones, we might have missed that bite. So, you know, everything kind of, you know, it's learning – you know, what the fish are going to do, you know, on, on any given tide and when you need to be there. And then, you know, for us, we're doing, a, we do a lot of bait fishing. So it's, you know, as long as having the bait, you know, most of the time when we leave the dock in the morning, I have live shrimp, I'll catch pogies. We'll always have some mud minnows in a bucket somewhere. You know, we'll have some fiddler crabs in a bucket somewhere. You know, I mean, we leave and I know that if we can't catch them on with what we got on the boat, then, you know, we just either weren't in the right spot or they weren't eating. So I think that's, that's huge, man. Like and that's one thing I've tried to be better at lately is ha- having, you know, a large selection of bait when I'm bait fishing. Cause yeah. I, when I started guiding, I was like, I just want to be a fly fishing guide. Like I'm super cool. And all I want to do is throw the fly rod. And now <laughs> I love fly fishing, but I, I, I have, you know, gained this new desire to like really become, I, I guess it's just when you, when you fish a bunch, it's like, I want to be good at everything. Like, I don't want to be the best. I'm not, I'm not trying to be like, Oh, look at this guy. He's an incredible angler. It's more so like for myself, keeping it interesting. And like, I want to learn every little niche of every style of fishing and bait and bait selection and having a large selection of, you know, different types of live and cut and dead bait is key. And like for me up here, I've been starting to fish a lot of crab. Like you said, fiddler crabs. I've started to fish mud crabs a lot, quartering up blue crabs, like even fishing quartered blue crab on a Carolina rig in an area where I'm like, okay, I can definitely catch drum, redfish, and black drum here, and I'm not going to have to worry about, you know, trash yeah. fish and, and whatnot. And so, see, and, and and I don't, you know, there's no there's no shame in that to me. You know, a lot of you know, you get the praise of, oh man, you know, I got I'm an artificial only guy, and and in certain areas you can do it, and if you can be successful doing it, more power to you. You know, you have to also learn where you're at. You right, know, right. My, our area where I am is not, you know, Biscayne Bay or, or, you know, anywhere down in the Everglades where we can sight fish, you know, all day long and, and throw to these big schools of fish. You know, we really needed to make our opportunities count a lot of times. So having bait a lot of, you know, for me, at the end of the day, my job is to show those clients a great time. And I have some guys that only want to throw plastics and no. that's fine. And we go out and we hit it just as hard as we ever would. And chances are if someone's coming in and and that's what they're wanting to do their expectation level is is correct at that point yeah for sure i tell tell people we'll we'll be catching fish on on you know on any bait for that matter you know and they'll say well can we catch these on artificials i'm like well absolutely we can but we might catch one to every five you know that so a lot of times depending on what your measurement of of the day is you know or i might have a guy that if he can catch a redfish on top water first thing in the morning that made his whole day you know where i, I right. might have a group the next day that wants to catch as many fish as they possibly can and the tactic the tactics change so yeah right, in, so. in, in a perfect world you could catch them on whatever you want wherever you want you know but for for us it's you know a little bit of a you know you you realize okay you know this is what i need to do even if it might not be what i would want to do the most you know and and i think that being able to catch fish on bait or artificial helps the opposite way, you know, where I know that, okay, drifting shrimp through this spot, you know, it, when it gets to the little rip coming off of this oyster bank right here, we're, we're getting a knockdown every time. How can I set the boat up and how can I fish that artificial? You know, we do that a lot for trout. You know, if we're drifting trout, you're drifting shrimp for trout in the fall or redfish, either, or you're like, okay, I'm setting the boat up 70 yards back and we're drifting down to them or we're riding the current all the way down. 
I could set the boat up 30 yards across, more you know, parallel to it, and be able to cast a voodoo shrimp or a DOA or something up current and let the current sweep it back down, you know, and it'll emulate the same thing. So, it, but if you were to pull up and you hadn't ever drifted that spot with bait, you might, you know, you might be sitting on top of the fish. And you know, a lot of times for me, we use we use the shrimp under a cork as a search tool. You know, we're yeah. like, okay, this is where they are. Now we might come back the next day. We might not set up as far, or we might, you know, go after it with a different bait that we can't drift to. You know, and then if we come back the next day, if we're fishing an artificial only tournament or something, we're like, okay, this is where they're at. How can we set up and fish these fish without, you know, either blowing them off of where they're sitting or, you know, we're trying to make it as natural as possible. You know, we always say make it the fish's idea to eat. You know, the, the more natural we can present it, the more likely we are to get a bite, you know, not trying to force it. So, and sometimes in the summertime, that's a big old piece of cut mullet on the bottom. Yeah. You know, and just to know where they are. You know, if we if it's been blowing for three or four days, or if it's rained real hard, you know our water gets even dingier than it already is, and you know sometimes we're relying on that scent factor. You know, quartered blue crab, um, you know, soft shell crab wrapped up in some pantyhose, almost like we're catfishing. Uh, you know, cut pogies, cut mullet. You know, I don't I don't think of you know when you get back to the dock and someone asks how you did, they're at you know most of the time they want to know you know how many fish did you catch or how big were your fish did you catch. The first question is not you know well did you catch it on artificial or not. So, right, right, right. you know, for me, I, you know, it's, it's just as much fun. Yeah. I, it doesn't, doesn't ever get old to me. However we catch it, whether I caught that redfish on a gold spoon or, you know, on a, on a jerk shed, you know, with an eye strike jig, yeah, I, I love all the eye strike products. Um, you know, or if I caught it on a mud minnow on a jig head or a mullet on a Carolina rig, you know, to me, just learning your area and how you can be successful for yourself personally not, don't worry about, you know, having that picture where you're holding the redfish just above the water with the plug hanging out of his mouth, you know, like that, it's just as, just as cool to hold him up on the deck of the boat with a big smile, you know, on your face. Cause you caught the fish, you know, hundred percent, man. That's, that's kind of the way I've always looked at it. You know, you do get, you know, I, I, as much as I love shallow water fishing and I do, and I, you know, I took a, a fair number of fly clients when I had my skiff, I used to always tell people, like, I'll take you to where the fish are. I'm not going to be able to give you any casting lessons. Yeah. <laughs> everyone i'll pull the fly rod out that i have and i'll you know my wife will sit there laughing at me waving it around in the backyard for a little while you know having the dog chase after it but you know other than that you know it's being well-rounded to me is not just you know okay i can do this and this it's just like you know kind of knowing where you are what you need to do to be successful where you are and then if you can't do that you know do you have a plan b or c exactly man and that's what i try to push on this podcast more than any maybe not more than conservation but is be a well, like you just said, well-rounded angler because every part, every style of fishing, every tactic, every technique is to me a tool in the toolbox of being able to go out there and have a successful day. Because I, yeah. I, I'm with you, I could, I have just as much fun, and I tell people this all the time, catching a redfish on a fly rod as I do going and catching a redfish on a piece of cut mullet or going like even even like it, for me, it's just about learning how to target the fish, going out doing it, and being successful at it. However that is, it, it, you know, it all plays out and it, it all, you learn from everything that you can cross reference. I even tell people like so many people are haters on bass fishing that grow up in the salt fishing world, saltwater fishing world. I'm like, you can go shorten your learning curve on fishing so much quicker if you go fish bass in a large body of water because, you know, it just pushes you and, and, and makes you try different techniques you're uncomfortable with. And that's the same thing with, you know, in saltwater, bait fishing versus fly fishing versus artificials. It's, it's all, it's all, uh, yeah. 
It's all good. And there's gonna be and there's gonna be days where it's blowing twenty five out of the east for us, and there's nowhere to hide from it. And we might would really love to be you know up in some grass catching redfish, but we might have to you know set on a big pile of rocks off of a seawall or yeah. you know, an old scraggly dock that's been there for a while. And and you know to be able to do that is important. You know, in my opinion, definitely you know, to say like, hey, you know, this is what we this is what we're dealing with today. Even though we'd like to do this, we're going to do this, you know, instead and, and being able to kind of make those on the fly adjustments just, you know, just come from doing it, you know, yeah. frankly, all the days out there not being successful learning, okay, you know, this didn't work. What do I need to do different? Right, right. It's uh, redfish, redfish are one of those fish, though. I mean, they, they help you out about as much as any of the other ones, though. I mean, they're, they're aggressive. If they're there, they're going to eat. So a lot of times, you know, they're, they're kind of a, not a fallback plan by any means, but you know, there's a lot of spots where we're like, okay, maybe the trout didn't cooperate. We're going to go and we're going to set some baits on this bank right here. And we're going to go take out our frustration on the redfish. So <laughs> most of the time they're pretty, most of the time they're pretty willing to cooperate, even though some days it seems you can't, you know, find one for, for trying, but you know, for in our area, especially we've seen a huge rebound in the redfish. And I think that, you know, being cutting the bag limit and, you know, and, and making sure that the slot limit is enforced, you know, I talk to I talk to gentlemen that, and and women that come on the boat with me all the time that have lived here in the area in my area for 30 40 years and they used to nobody ever caught a redfish you know and that was now you're starting to see you know we have a, a huge huge population of, of juvenile fish you know you can pretty much put you know a piece of shrimp or a, you know any kind of bait down somewhere in a shallow oyster muddy area and you're going to catch a little a little puppy somewhere you know that's and I like seeing that. You're like, okay, this fish is going to grow Heck up. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, we obviously have the big migration of the bull drum that come through in the, you know, late, late summer, early fall, you know, that September through October range. And that's, that's a ton of fun. But, you know, we, the biggest thing for, you know, in our area, they're very accessible. You know, it's not, you know, they're either on the beachfront in the pokey pods or they're at the jetties and the little river jetties right there. I mean, if you go out on a Saturday, there'll be 80, 60 to 80 boats out there everybody jockeying for position but unfortunately what you see a lot is people you know boat up on a 45 inch fish with you know a 3000 level reel and a you know medium action rod and they're just fighting the fish for 45 minutes you know and unfortunately that's something that i tell you know my clients when they come on the boat they're like man these are some big rods i was like yeah we're gonna land this fish quickly you know we're using 50 pound braid you know 60 to 80 pound leader you know really short leaders circle hooks yeah, I mean, we're going to land this fish quickly, get a cool picture of it, revive them healthy, and let them go. Yeah. Because ultimately, you know, for on a conservation front, that's what's going to keep this fishery around and not hopefully end up in a situation like we are with flounder. But, you know, it's, I think a lot of it's just awareness, too. You know, that's a lot of people don't know, you know, just because they're not immersed in it like we are. You know, in our area, we have some inlets that are in desperate need of help. You know, Tubbs Inlet is the inlet that separates Ocean Island Sunset. Um, you know, the, they're, the Coast Guard pulled the cans years ago. I mean, it's it, you can still get in and out if you if you know where you're going and it's calm and it's and it's you know high sun so you can see the sandbars and stuff. But what's happening is it's it's erosion in our area. We gain sand. We're not losing it you know as much. It's we're we're filling in with sand and it's choking off that whole section of marsh. You know, areas where we used to see a lot of bait and a lot of fish. The you know clean ocean water is not reaching where it needs to. So. You know, I'll show somebody like, you know, we'll pull up at high tide and we might fish a spot and then we'll show them, we'll be riding back past at low tide. And I'm like, remember where we fished this morning? And they look and it's just completely dry all the way across. 
you know, and, and people are just like, well, I had no idea that this was a problem, you know, and so from whether it's inlets or fishing or anything else, you know, I think as as our jobs, you know, we should be stewards of our area and, and be kind of be able to say, hey, this is how nice it is right now and this is what we need to do to protect it. You know, I'm not, it, we you have to be aware that this is a non-renewable resource that we're taking advantage of every day and, you know, if we're, you know, making a living doing it, we kind of owe it to, you know, everyone and the fish and the area itself to do whatever we can to protect it. So I agree, man. I agree. It's, getting, uh, that, getting that mindset, you know, across to people that don't see it every day is the difficult part. Definitely. So that's, you know, definitely. It's a, it's a mindset that's definitely growing. More people are thinking that way and more people are very willing to think that way. If you're doing what you're saying, we're sharing with them in a respectful, yeah. nice way of what's going on. And, and people are, um, very, you know, acceptive of that, that kind of mindset of conservation. Um, you know, that's, that's one thing that, that is nice, but, but it's just so unknown to so many people like you're saying. So, yeah, with all of the, you know, potential downfalls or, you know, or possible negative side, you know, of social media being as big as it's gotten now, you know, it almost for a lack of a better way of putting it has made fishing cool again. You know, it almost seems like, you know, when I was, you know, I have some younger cousins and stuff. And when I was their age, I might not have, you know, I always loved to fish, but, you know, I didn't have as many friends that were into it. You know, now right. it's almost seen because, you know, a lot of people have done, you know, like yourself, podcasts and, and different media outlets have, have really brought awareness to what we're doing. More people are interested in it. More people are going to care to protect it. I mean, if you look at like the guys down in Florida doing the captains for clean water stuff. I mean, you know, they went from a small group of people wanting to change their area. Now they're, you know, at meetings in, in DC, you know, so it shows that, you know, if enough people get behind it, you know, we can make a difference. And I think in North Carolina, you know, we have a world-class fishery here and it's, it's not mentioned in the conversation as much as, as it should be, you know, but a lot of that just comes down to, you know, we have a few obstacles left to get over, you know, to really, you know, kind of maintain our stake in that. And, you know, places like Louisiana and, and, you know, certain areas in Florida and stuff have, have kind of, you know, have made sure that they were, they were going to remain as good as they are if, if possible. You know, I think North Carolina can, can be just as good if, you know, people are willing to take the right steps, but yeah, it's all you can do is, you know, keep, keep fighting the good fight, I reckon. And it is. It is. I think the more successful anglers out there, that's what I always tell people, because I have some, some people that are like, Dude, why are you doing this podcast and talking about how to catch fish and everything? And one, this is not this is nothing more than tackle shop information. You can walk in any tackle shop, and they're going to kind of tell you the same stuff we did. Maybe, hopefully, you know, we're sharing good detail and, and driving some points home and whatnot. But, but two, my large opinion is that the more successful anglers we have out there, the more people that are going to speak up for conservation, they're going to, you know, do things, you know, to, to see this fishery succeed, which means in the long run, we can, we can support some more fishermen out there. So, um, some more successful fishermen. So that's kind of my, my thought process on it. We're almost at an hour. So I want to ask you this one last question. Sure. Being in a dirtier water fishery for redfish, what is one, if you had to give one chunk of information, one tip as far as being, successful or, or how to target these fish in dirty water what's something you think most people should know or maybe they don't most people don't do that that's helpful well you know, from an from an artificial front you know I, I rarely throw anything that i would consider bright you know that it's if we're throwing artificials if we you know even in the, even in the winter time you know when our water would be clean by our standards mm -hmm. you know 
still throwing, you know, a lot of brown root beer. Um, you know, I, I throw a lot of, uh, try to, there's a Z-Man color that I can't think of the name of it. Um, it's a, it's like a, uh, it's like a brown, it's got red flake in it. Is it's it Redbone? Maybe. Um, Redbone's my favorite for the Cape Fear yeah, River. It's a good color. That was going to say, like that, that color is, is, is awesome. Um, they used to have a color too called Houdini. Yeah, um, I Houdini's a good color. I haven't been able to find that one in a while, but, um, you know, throw in darker colors and, and work in the bait slower, um, fish are not going to be able to track down a bait in our, in our area as where you know you might see a fish in in clear water you know that fish might see that bait from a long way off you know for us i tell a lot of times i'll tell my clients if we are working artificials you know to you know slow retrieve and even though they're slowly retrieving it you know that that handle's still turning about every second that's about 20 inches i mean you know you're you're moving that bait two four six eight feet across the bottom before you even know it you know, in our area, it's really, I mean, it's twitch, pause, let it sit. I mean, it's its painstakingly slow a lot of times as far as artificials go. Um, but with the water being as dirty, we have to work harder to know where the fish should be and when. You know, we, we can't see them. So as put as much effort as you can into, okay, when did I catch this fish here? You know, what were the conditions? How much water do we have? You know, a lot of times, even if you don't have, you know, you might be in a smaller boat or a kayak or something, you're not, you don't have a tide chart, you know, ready, take visual cues. You know, I do that a lot, you know, where I'm like, okay, I can't see the top of that oyster bar yet. We're not going to fish here yet. You know, and so a lot of times it's, you know, learning when you should be there is, is huge because, you know, it's, it makes a difference between catching them and not catching them. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, like a lot of time, the incoming tide, you know, for us, for me in the summertime, you know, we're going to fish a little deeper uh, and we're going to fish with, you know, we're not really going to necessarily fish with, with cut baits or anything. We're, we're looking for more, maybe something with a little bit more flash. The water gets a little bit cleaner. You know, we use a lot of pogies. Um, you know, I love, you know, late summer when the mullet get about six inches long. Like that's, that's huge. You know, those, those for me, that's my favorite. I mean, for flounder, for, for redfish, you know, a big, healthy, just yeah, sometimes you just pull a mullet out of the well and you're like, oh, this is going to get... I'm going to get a big fish. <laughs> Kroger's aren't going to mess with this one and it's going to be a big flounder redfish. Yep, and that's... Yeah, and, and there is something to it. I mean, you know, bigger baits, you know, you're, you're going to not going to get as many bites, but you're going to get the right bite a lot of times. And, right. and um, you know, but, but slow and I would say, you know, as far as a dirty water tactic, um, you know, slow when you be, be, you know, willing to move, but when you do, when you get there, fish you know, with, with purpose, you know, yeah. don't just kind of willy nilly cast here, there and everywhere. And then give it five seconds and be like, all right, we're out of here. You know, make sure that if you're there, you're set up properly, you know, and that just comes from learning, you know, where, where you're at in your area. I know that if I'm fishing a shell bank, I'm set up where I need to be, where we're not going to have to make some kind of crazy difficult cast to get to where we want to be. We're able to, you know, I try not to be one dimensional either. You know, it, a lot of times we're fishing with, you know, two, three, four people, you know, and there are certain instances where you can only fish one direction and one way, but, you know, we, I try to get my people involved all day long. So, you know, we're setting the boat up in a way that, okay, you know, we might have two baits drifting out the front with the current, but then, you know, behind us, we've set up just within casting distance, you know, of a row of oysters that comes out of this little Creek right here where we might dead stick some baits right there, or we might slow roll, you know, a paddle tail between the two of them, you know, and a lot of times, that having a wide footprint, you know, really helps us either confidently say there's nothing here or it helps us catch more fish, you know, where 
there's nothing better when, you know, all of a sudden, you know, somebody on the front of the boat is hooked up and then someone in the back that you might have classified as like a B spot, you know, not that you're ever putting someone in a worse spot than another, but you're like, okay, well, if we're going to catch them here, I really think they're going to come from up here, but we could also catch them back here. And, and, you know, a lot of times if you go one and one or you double up, like that's a great feeling because, you know, you're like, okay, we're, we're on them now. You know, right, we know. Right. And then some days you might only choose to fish, you know, further back or further up or, you know, and to me being able to kind of cover a, as wide of an area as possible. You know, sometimes in the summer when we're, when we are bait fishing, I look forward to days where I have multiple anglers. You know, sometimes I'm sure you can attest, you know, sometimes four is a crowd, you know, and it, and it gets tough to get everybody fishing at the same time, but you know, doing as much bait fishing as we do down this way, especially in the summertime, you know, I look forward to that's more lines in the water. You know, even if I only have two guys on the boat, they might be, you know, throwing something out the front and I might have, you know, I use a, you know, like one of the, it's almost like a, like a kite fishing rod holder, you know, where I can put, put it in one rod holder and I can have three baits going, you know, so I might have, a, you know, almost like we were trolling. I have a long bait back with a, with a big pogey on it. And then I have two shorter on the bank and a little bit shallower water. And, you know, those rods are just going to sit while we mess with something up front. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, some of our best bites are coming from the baits that we're not even paying attention to. Right, so right. it's old school, you know, for, you know, it's, it make it as complicated or as simple as you want. You know, for us, a lot of days we get rewarded the more more simple we keep it. So. Yeah, man, that that's a good word right there. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to this. I wish I had a notepad right now. I was like wanting to take some notes on your on your bait fishing. Um, but man, well, thank you so much for having on. We'll definitely have to or coming on. We'll definitely have to have you on again. Yeah, man, uh, I, I appreciate the opportunity. I've, I've you know I've listened to the show before. You know, it's you know car rods, you know rig and tackle the night before. You know, I podcasts are to me are you know a lot of fun and to be able to hear you know even though y'all are in what i would consider a completely different world fishery wise you know in the topsail area up that way than we are here it's still interesting to hear you know most of the fishing podcasts you know that you see are people down there tarpon fishing in the keys and all that kind of stuff and that's fun to listen to but to me you know it's it's interesting to hear how people are doing things in our area you know and and it helps you become that more more well-rounded because yeah, we fished some tournaments and we run up y'all's way to go to weigh in and I'm looking at the water and I'm like, Oh my goodness, I'm glad we didn't have to fish up here today, you know, because <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. So, you know, to your point about you know, it is, you know, pretty vague information and I hope I wasn't too far off topic on No, on, no, no. It was it was, it was great. I was sitting here thinking, God, this is one of the best b- podcasts we've had. So yeah. you're you're, you're oh, doing man, great. I appreciate it. But um yeah, it's it's definitely the more information that we can get out there to people, yeah, you know, I think it's just like anything else. The more you do it, the better you get. The better you get, the more fun it is. The more you care about it, the more you, you know, it, it helps everybody. So, sure. you know. For sure. Well, man, thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to link all of your guide business information on the podcast show notes as well as the YouTube channel. But for everyone listening right now, go ahead and tell them where they can find you, how they can get up with you if they want to book a trip. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, all my information is online. Um, TideLineCharterFishing.com. Um, you know, my cell number is on there. Um, my cell number is also on um, the Instagram. It's at Tideline Charters. Um, and then my personal Instagram is at Captain underscore Tim DeSano. Um, you know, so give me a call is by far, I'm terrible with computers and technology and everything else. A lot of times, you know, I don't mean it, but a lot of somebody might shoot me a DM or, or you know, or send me an email to, you know, to the business email and it might be a day or two before I see it. But if you call me, even if I miss the call, you know, leave me a voicemail or shoot me a text and I'll get, get right back to you. But um, you know, all year long, we're doing something a little bit different. Summertime is, is a big variety, you know, it's inshore variety for us right now. The water temperature hasn't gotten terribly hot yet, so we're still catching a fair number of trout. 
um, you know, redfish, black drum, sheep's head all, all summer, you know, flounder fishing in August and then in the fall thing really ramped back up for us. But Heck yeah. Well, yeah. let's do a video together sometime, man. When your trout fishing gets good down there in the fall, I'll come down. We'll do a, a sweet so, little trout fishing video together. Yeah, we'll do, uh, uh, you come we'll trout fish and then, uh, you put me on some, some super shallow water reds up there. Up dude, in, uh, I'm all about it in the clear water. Absolutely, man. You, uh, you won't even need polarized sunglasses in the wintertime sometimes. You can just see them. You can just see them in the water. It's awesome. Um, still, still, I would still recommend wearing them, but, but yeah, it is sure. it is interesting <laughs> when you can see the fish without them. Uh, but cool. Well, guys, definitely get, check him out if you're uh, in that area. And it, even if you're in Wilmington like or, or just north of us and, and want to go fish down that way, uh, it, it's cool to experience all the different estuaries and fisheries that our state has to offer because – like you were saying, there's a lot of exposure for Florida and, and Texas and Louisiana fishing um, that makes it feel like there's almost more of a allure to fish there. But we have that here. And so I think we're doing a good job now of kind of exposing how incredible the fishery we do have here. We don't want to overexpose it. and Everybody can keep going to Florida, but um, it's a it's a cool place to fish. So come, come fish with us here in North Carolina. Definitely come fish with Tim. And, uh, dude, thanks so much. And everyone that checked out the podcast, we appreciate it. We'll see you all next week. Later. Thank you.